What is up, everybody? Welcome in to the DNVR Bar, the Keeping It 1000 Podcast Live, the first ever live show. Yeah, get it. Look at that. Full, full live audience, our first live audience of this show, guys. I'm joined, of course, by the legendary coach. He doesn't like being called a legend, but I like calling him a legend. Legendary coach George Call. Sounds like mature. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a, it's a, a badge of honor here. Um, second winningest coach, obviously, here in Denver Nuggets history. One of the, I think, the ninth winningest coach uh, all time in the NBA. And guys, uh, we're presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR when... when uh, when you sign up later in the show, Superstar Dev is going to give us a winner tonight so you can win some money as we watch the Denver Nuggets play. We're going to do so to set the table for how the show is going to work. We're going to talk. I got a couple questions I have personally for coach today, and we're going to go over those first. But after that, we have a microphone over here. We have D-Line Co. Uh, over here. You guys know him as Eric. Actually, you know him as D-Line Co. He's going to be taking, if anybody has questions for coach, you can ask him. We also have some people watching right now streaming on YouTube that they have questions for him. If you want to super chat, you can get your question all the way up to the top. Um, before we get started, though, coach, I want to talk about some of the stuff you guys are doing. It started as Truth in Basketball. George Carl podcast, a coach's podcast, sharing his wisdom, everything he's picked up uh, from the game of basketball. But it's expanded now. Truth in media. Well, I'm not sure I like that title because I hate <laughs> the media drives me a little crazy. You're media now. But I want truth. You know? Okay. I, I, my whole thing is I got fired in Milwaukee by Senator Cole, and he looked at me in the eye and says, you tell the truth too much. Mm. And then... Senator Cole was a senator, <laughs> which tells you he probably lies a lot too much. Right. Like that, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think the truth works. Uh, I think players like culture where you tell them what's going on, and if you do it in a positive way. I know criticism doesn't always come out positive, but I mean, I, I think getting better is a big key about pro basketball, both team-wise and individually-wise. And uh, the one thing I think we had in Denver is we had a culture of the guys, when we got them, they got better. They got better, and they, a lot of times they moved on to other teams. But for the most part, I think for the eight, eight and a half years I was here, almost every guy we got, I thought, got a, a little bit better. I mean, J.R. Smith probably thought I held him <laughs> back, but there's probably two or three other guys in there. Mello I was going to say, I don't know if he was the only one that maybe might have thought that. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, I, I don't know. If you look at their... Career, like right. career years, a lot of them had their best years here in Denver. Right. Do you feel, you talk about the media, do you feel like it's getting worse, the truth to the way uh, the game is covered? Do you think we're getting further from that? Oh, well, I think, it, I think uh, I'm probably the thing that lingers over my head is Donald Trump and false, false news. And, you know, there is false news. But there is also real news and truthful news and, and valid Media coverage and valid uh, journalists, I think, are, I, I, get, I get along with honest journalists. Mm. It's the kind of slippery ones or the, the ones that say one thing to your face and say something behind your back that get, get on my nerves. And uh, so is it getting worse? Yeah. Um, the more, more people we have involved with it, the more false or fake. I hate that word because I didn't say anything about that one, but... Uh, but there is, uh, and then because of that, organizations have a, a protection mechanism. They try to protect from what's going to get out and right, what's going to right. be said. And, and I'm going, who cares if it gets out? <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, usually if you tell the truth, yeah, you might take a back, might have a day or two of bad news, but in the end, you're back into feeling free instead of hiding things. And you know, it always drove me a little crazy that we, we the NBA kind of works like a secret organization rather right. than a, a fan organization. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing about sports is is the fans are a big, in my mind, are a big part of it. And so when you start lying to the fans and 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 not being honest with them, I think it's it's yucky a little bit. It seems what's funny about that is the Streisand effect. It seems like the more people, especially players, try to control the brand over time, people see through it. And then these players, they see they become more removed from the fans they want to be so close to. And I think I personally, I see that a lot with players trying to control the narratives. Remember, the one I always think of was LeBron James. If you remember, early in his career, he gets dunked on at some pickup game in some gym somewhere. And immediately Nike tries to hide the tape. We can't let anybody see LeBron vulnerable. He got dunked on. We can't let that get out. You're thinking, and people don't know that LeBron gets dunked on sometimes. It happens. And it made him look worse because it became a giant story. But uh, we got we, I want to move on because we have the Nuggets. There's a lot going on with them. But first, I want to plug some of the things that's going on. One of the new shows we have, or you have in your network, The Curious Leader with Kobe Carl, of course, your son, uh, and the head coach of the South Bay Lakers. I have to be honest with you, not a fan of the Lakers. Be they the Los Angeles Lakers or the, or or otherwise, we still on? Did we get dropped out there? Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, but but he did have Coach Phil Jackson on, uh, and Phil Jackson doesn't do a lot of podcasts. No, he doesn't. He did he did it as a, a friendly. Uh, I mean, Kobe and him. I, I think I've told the story maybe on our one of our podcasts that two years ago, two summers right. ago, Kobe can't called me up and said, "Dad, I got a favor to ask you." I go, what? Cool. What's up? And he said, I want you to go to Montana with me and spend five days with Phil Jackson in Montana. And I go, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> uh, but he, he kept prodding me and prodding me, and, and I went, and we had a great time. And, you know, I, I've all, I mean, Phil and I have always been a little antagonistic towards one another. Uh, you know, he, he looks at the game as a dance, and I probably look at the game as a war. Mm. You know, I and, like that. Uh, I think I look at it as a dance, to be honest with you. Guys. Yeah, ballet. I mean, I mean, Al McGuire looked at it. At, 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 I remember seeing with Al McGuire, and he said, "Coaching a basketball game is like directing a Broadway play." And I said, "What the hell are you talking about?" I mean, you know, but, I mean, there is there is fluid and flow and rhythm to the game of basketball, but the aggressiveness side of the game is probably what I did well as a player, and I probably cater to as. I want my team to be an aggressive team, a play-hard team, a together team, a we team, uh, and so many things that there's got to be connection uh, to, and I'm not a big fan of whatever, selfish individuality. Yeah. I think Phil would say the same thing. It's just that it almost had a weird, you know, like you said, it, those same principles apply. It just almost looks at him through a different lens. Phil's actually, I mean... I spent some time with John Wooten, and I spent, of course, I was coached by Dean Smith. Totally different personalities as people, but very similar thought processes in how they want to coach basketball. But, I mean, Phil and I are totally different people. I think Phil's probably a little more introverted. I'm a little more maybe weird, crazy, eccentric, eclectic, whatever you want to call me. 
Um, but in the same sense, I think philosophically we want the same thing. We want we want the team to be the power of of, of the game, and we want our team, players to be intelligent. Uh, we want them to understand that you know there's both ends of the court. We want balance in offense and defense, and uh, and understanding the game. The winning part of the game is the big key. To, I think. I don't think fans understand that there are winning basketball players and there are losing basketball players. And I just, I just couldn't handle losing basketball players or players that just make mistakes at the wrong time. You know, I always, JR always comes to mind. You know, JR was a good, ba- good bad basketball player. And I'm, hey, we, he won a lot of games on his good part of it. Right. And we rode him a lot of nights because he was really dynamic. But the losing part of it, you know, like someone once asked me, do you want a guy that can get 30 or you want a guy that goes out and gets 12 and 10 every night? I think I said I wanted a guy that gets 12 and 10 every night is the guy I really want, mm. you know, because the Spurs and my, my, <clears throat> my career has been, uh, you know, parallel with San Antonio's greatness in the NBA. And San Antonio, a lot of nights weren't, wasn't the best, most talented basketball team in the NBA. But they never beat themselves. Right. They they didn't have that stupid bad game, and that and and they they won and they kept winning and kept winning, with the f- basic foundation of being fundamentally tougher, better, and more probably coached that way than any co- any team in the NBA. Which brings so you you talk about it. And by the way, you, I thought you were going to go to my favorite phrase of yours: "Stupid loses more games than smart wins," which is that. I, I think it's the perfect way to describe the game of basketball, the game of mistakes. Make the fewest, you're going to win. Um, but that leads me to Aaron Gordon. Is he a winning basketball player? <clears throat> I think he wants to be. Okay. But I think he was wearing out in Orlando where he was deteriorating the wrong way. I think, I think Fournier and he were kind of going down the slope. And Vukovic was going up the slope a little bit from a standpoint of every game performance. Um, and, and Gordon is a guy searching for offense, which scares me, because I think the Denver Nuggets has too—they have too many players searching for offense. But I also realized that when I, I scouted Aaron Gordon in college, and I thought he was the best—he was the best defensive player I've ever seen play college basketball, except for the guy that played with me, named Bobby Jones. Wow. And you're, so you're going, but first of all, Bobby Jones, we're going back a long way. So if well, you're saying that, that's a long time, a long gap. Well, Bobby, Bobby played the game because of defense. He, right. loved, he loved the defensive end of the court. He was a passion for the defensive end of the court. He got better offensively in the pro game, but he never was a very good offensive player. But he, he made him, I don't know, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. He yet. is. He's in, the, he's in the Hall of Fame, yep. I think it's this year. No, he, I already have seen his speech. That's how I know um, this. Okay, but Bobby's uh, a guy that, made it by being a defensive player totally and completely throughout his whole career. And I think Gordon, I have no problem with him getting, searching out some offense. But I don't want anybody weakening his, weakening his strengths to, be, to, develop your weakness, to develop your weaknesses. You want to power yourself to play to your strengths and improve your weaknesses. But you don't want to change your game. You don't want to change your game to play to your weaknesses rather than play to your strengths. I think one of the things that you get so excited about 
with like when I say you, I just mean Nuggets fans get excited about with regards to to Aaron Gordon is it seems like his strengths actually fit naturally into what Denver does. I think he is a fourth or fifth option type in a good on a good system, a guy that can fit within the system. And then obviously on the defensive end, it, this is the one thing I don't think people realize too much. It takes an enormous amount of effort to be the best defensive player. To be both a two-way player takes a special type. I think if he's the fourth or fifth option on this Nuggets roster offensively, maybe that fits perfectly with his skill set, but also with where he needs to place his energy on this team. Well, I think as you know, I think you're you're trying to live with the the philosophy of about 20 years ago of you need three stars, you okay. need three studs. I think you need, I mean, with Murray and Jokic, you got two guys going in the right direction. Sure. No question about that. But I think the third stud on the Denver Nuggets is going to be changing. It's going to change. It might be Gordon one night. It right, might be right. Barton one night. It might be someone off the bench one night. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, the green kid could come in and have a night for it. So you, the problem with two, two and a third undefined is your personality is a little bit undefined. Mm. And then maybe a team that has more, more playoff experience will have an ability to overcome that. But I think by making a trade, there's two thoughts to my mind is Gordon was again. You know, they, they realized that Grant was really good, important to their team. Right. They liked how they played probably last year with Grant. And Gordon's a pretty good copy or maybe a, be a little better than Grant. What do you think if you were to compare those two? I think he's better. Okay. You know, I'm not – I mean, everybody's getting in love, in love with Grant in Detroit. Someone's got to score points in, in, right. on, a, on a bad team. Yeah. I mean, everybody scores 100 points in the NBA. Someone's right. got to score them. And, right. And they've given, they've given Grant the freedom to take right. bad shots and ugly shots and shoot a bad percentage and still he gets a lot of points because of it. Uh, but Gordon's a little more polished here, but I think – uh, you know, I think he can be. I think I, I think I like about Gordon. I saw in the one game was his ability to pass the ball was pretty yeah. high high caliber. And I I really think the end, in the end the best teams are the teams that know how to make each other better. Yeah. You know, can Gordon can Gordon play with Porter? I think he can. After what I saw, it looked like okay. It reminded me a little bit of Clayza and and Carmelo. Mm. When we played Cleaz and Carmelo, Carmelo never wanted to be a power forward. He was always a small right, forward. Right, Well, when we had Cleaz, we didn't tell anybody who was a power <laughs> forward right. or a small forward. Right. But if Melo was being covered by a big guy, we played him out on the floor. Right. When Melo was becoming by a little guy, we played him underneath the basket. Right. And that makes the game simple, and it's pretty easy to understand why you're doing it. How quickly do you expect the Nuggets to build chemistry with Gordon? Like, what is the process like for building chemistry with a new piece midseason? Oh, I would, I'd probably want him to be a little more of a veteran player because his maturity level, I think, is decent but not great. Um, but I think he, he knows what was going on in Orlando wasn't good for him. Yeah. And I just think his enthusiasm – if he stays enthusiastic about what's going on, I think the player, I think Jokic makes guys better. Malone knows what's going on. You know, he'll figure out how to bring the, the connection to a better place. And <clears throat> I said this to a couple of my friends that Gordon is, if, if Michael Porter Jr. becomes as good as Gordon or a little better than Gordon, you'd all be really happy. Right. 
But I think both of them can be up, right. can be lifted. I think both of them can grow and progress. But it's a short time. It's only 26 games. You know, it, and if it comes together at a high, high level, it'll come together probably in the first or second round of the playoffs. Oh, wow. That, and is that because of the pressure? I mean, well, you have to. Right. You know, as we're in the regular season. That's you, interesting. You I thought a, you were going to say that the first or second month. I didn't think the first or second round. The playoffs, that's, a, that's an uncomfortable place to be waiting for chemistry to come together. Well, we all grow up faster when we get outside our boxes. That's true. That's very true. I think that happened to Denver last year, actually. And even with Jeremy yeah. Grant, if you look at it, Jeremy Grant didn't play small forward very much last year. You get to the playoffs, he plays there, and it worked out. And I think a lot of by necessity. The last one I have, and then, guys, if you have questions, you can start to flag down uh, Eric over here, and, and, and we'll start doing uh, some Q&A. We have some questions coming in online as well. Um, Will Barton right now is the de facto fifth guy in this rotation. He's the right now the starting shooting guard. The other four guys seem like they're sort of penciled in. Do you like Will Barton there alongside the other four guys? Well, the one thing I'll say about the trade is I don't know if we have a defender in the backcourt. Um, I don't know if Gordon can cover two men or right, right. or wing. Yep. I think he can cover some wings, but I don't know if he can cover all the wings. Um, I would probably, you know, you know, the closer you get to the playoffs, and even though the NBA is totally and completely going to offensive-oriented basketball, uh, I still think defense is going to win. The, ch the championship is going to be won by probably the top one or two defensive basketball teams in the playoffs. Um, so who's that going to be? You know, I'm, everybody's saying Brooklyn's going to win. They're not one of those guys. Yeah. Um, and Denver has quietly gotten better this season defensively, statistically at least. Sometimes when I watch them in the game, I just – I think they enjoy an offensive game. Like a land, the Atlanta game was neither team played much defense. They just played basketball and scored a lot of points. Yeah. Uh, Jokic has a good quote about this, by the way. He said, sometimes you have to win on offense, sometimes you have to win on defense. I think a coach probably hates hearing that. Well, I think that's the way – don't get me wrong. I remember my, my career blew up when I went to Seattle and we were a total def, totally a defensive right, basketball right, team. Right. Went to the finals because of our defense. I had a lot of great years with defense. Then I go to Milwaukee, and I thought my, uh, my philosophies and programs were going to travel. Mm. I, the crap I was, winning, that I was running in Seattle, that stuff didn't work with Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson, or right. Ray Allen. It just didn't work. So we became a zone team, a mixed defense team, totally different basketball team. But the one thing I realized coaching in Milwaukee was we could score 120 points. And there are a lot of teams in the NBA couldn't score 120 right, points. Right. But if you played bad defense against us, we're going to put numbers on you. Right. And so I, I magnified my you know, offensive popularity by letting guys take a lot more shots than I normally do. Right. <laughs> Mm. Uh, all right, let's get some questions going on. So, guys, uh, let us know your name as you, as you get a question, and then obviously uh, try to keep your questions directed as, as much as they can. Do you want to take a super chat while we figure well, that out? Well, we quick? have somebody actually oh, up, up and ready to go. I mean, Eric's all over it, man. All right, so thank you all for listening to my question. Um, first of all, I'm a Colorado native. Never left the state or nothing. <laughs> Been watching Nuggets since I was five years old in 1985. So... Um, first of all, has the NBA gotten soft? Yes. 
Man, that, yeah, you just you, you teed up the easiest question for Coach Carl ever. All right, NBA, it's soft. I want to hear it. Oh, soft. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Mentally soft, physically soft. What are we? What are we talking? Everything. Agent soft. Agency soft. I like it. Okay. I don't know how to answer it other than I like the game to be more physical. I watch more college games that kind of get ugly and rough and elbow and asshole mentality in them than a pro game. There are so many pro games, it's just finesse versus finesse. A little bit that's because of the rules. Because the analytics say playing, shooting threes and quick shots and playing without defense getting set. But... I still believe in the playoffs. You're going to have most of your games are going to be controlled by possession, defensive-minded teams with the ability to play fast and with flow when, when the game allows you to do that. Um, the no hands on the guard, I think they're going to have to change that. I think so, too. So you'd like to see them bring back hand checking in some fashion. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. Or, or body checking. You know, like I see guys now that bump with their chest and they, they could call for fouls. And uh, and I think that uh, other thing, I don't know if it's in the near future, but the three-point line is too easy. It's too easy. I mean, when guys now are shooting the ball from five or six feet behind the line and it's a 30% shot, okay, what are we going to do about this? Because I've been for six years, coaches have been asking me, how do we get the big man back in the game? I said, find another Jokic. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way you're going to get back right. in the game because he's got to be that They might skilled. be coming, though. The new wave of bigs, I think, that there's more skill coming from them, I think, than before. Maybe not enough, but it's moving that direction. Mm. Okay. You disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's get, a, let's get another question in here. Hey, Coach, um, watching you through, you know, your years here and all the time, um, to me, you're the best – teacher of the dunker position or the dunker. short corner. <laughs> some um, technical questions up in here. <laughs> so to, with addition of Aaron Gordon in this offense being pick and roll heavy with Jokic and Murray and being one of the best duos in the league, is there a way you think that you can incorporate the short corner with Aaron Gordon being in there to just increase our efficiency and just even make it tougher to guard that? This is DNVR, man. You get the, you get the technical questions. You didn't expect that one, did you? <laughs> well, you know, the, I don't know how much you guys know about the dunker, but the dunker is basically advanced Wahlberg uh, term. And he always told me the dunker was always the highest scorer on his high school teams right. and his junior college teams. And, uh, and you remember, we had, we had Costa, Javel, Timo, and Fareed. Four guys yeah. at one time that when we got them all, we didn't know who was who. And I'm really proud to say that those four guys know the dunker pretty well. And all four of them got paid over $10 million right. to play basketball. And they're not very good basketball players. <laughs> okay? But because they understood that if you get 10 and 10, you make $10 million in the NBA. Right, right. And, and Costa was the, was the big one that came in one summer, worked his ass off, and he, he beat out Timo and JaVale. Totally and completely. I mean, and I know everybody says, oh, you got to play JaVale. I go, if I play JaVale, I'm going to lose all the other guys. Because mm. they've been in practice, which Kelsey has been kicking JaVale's butt. 
Right. Um, but, you know, they all came along, and I was really, I, I've always kind of enjoyed the, that we got all those four guys kind of in the same trade. None of them have proven themselves yet. And then by the end of their career, they all are on $12 million contracts. Did you get a thank you card from all of them? I don't think they had anybody. <laughs> Costa might have bought me. No, Costa's cheap. He's really tight. <laughs> all right, what do we got? For all the years in Denver, first of all. Second of all, the current NBA, do you think it's more important for an NBA team to conform to the coach's personality and the coach's way of thinking about basketball or the, or the other way around? Mm, I like this one. <clears throat> Oh, I believe a good coach is worth is is as valuable to, to a good starter in the NBA. I don't think he's a. I don't think a, co- a good coach is worth a superstar in the NBA. But the value of having a good coach and and an experienced coach, guy that knows where it's going on, I think is totally and completely underrated by the populace. Um, the fans. Automatically, the target is on the coach. First guy who gets shot is going to be the coach. But in the same sense, it's having players that want to commit to a coach. Coachability, we call it. Are they, are they coachable? I had a guy here in Mark Workington who didn't know how to spell the word coachability. He just wanted talent, 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 talent. Go get the fastest, biggest, quickest, best shooters, Whatever. And it worked out for him. And Mark was good in Portland. He was good with us in Seattle. He was good here in Denver. He's working for OKC right now and doing a good job with them. But his, his idea was, it's your job to make them work together. Right, it's right. your job to figure out the connection and character of the team. I think that's a little... I think, I think teams that are coachable have an edge over a team that isn't coachable. And the example I make is the team the Nuggets are playing tonight. They're coachable. They're listening to Doc. Last year, the Clippers were not listening to Doc. So true. Doc hasn't changed. He's probably running the same playbook that he ran in L.A. You know, we all get better at what we do if we're in it long enough. But, you know, Doc was, 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 the, was the scapegoat in L.A., and now he's the star of Philadelphia. And that's happened in my career uh, a couple times in a similar situation. So, yes, I think coaches are important. But I don't think managements in the NBA value coaches. And I might even say owners in the NBA. And I'll say this out front to you. David Stern had no respect for the coach Mm. in the NBA. Mm. And so I'm not sure David Stern is influencing Adam Silver. I don't know. I, believe, I personally believe Adam Silver is a little bit of a kiss butt to the players, a little bit too much for my Man, liking. I like this take. I like this the applause here. I kind of like it. I mean, I just, I just think there's got to be boundaries. Yeah. There's got to be. There's got, you know, if you don't have boundaries, you know, um, if you don't have a filter and you're allowed to do whatever you want to do, even disciplined people are going to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. And so discipline is a part of winning, and discipline is a part of building a connection on a team. And if you're kind of negating that, 
And, and, and I think that happens. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what trade you think is the best trade that, that was just made a week ago in all the trades. They want to talk about Aldridge. They want to talk about all the great superstars. I want to see this. I want to see the guy that makes the chemistry mm. of a bad team, well, not a bad team, but a struggling team better. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I see it in one team in the NBA right now. And as a guy, I can't stand to even say this. <laughs> Zion Williamson is lifting the New Orleans. They're, they're, they're thinking they're good all of a sudden. They're starting to play better. He is playing unbelievably good. Thank God he got out of Duke. <laughs> um, and, you know, the two teams, I think right now you, you got – Charlotte playing at a high level with not a lot of great players. And you got New Orleans. And um, the other team is starting to play because of their point guard, Fox. Sacramento is starting to play really mm, well. Mm. And I think you got 12 teams right now fighting for those 10 spots. And from 6 to 12, is there not much, there's not much difference. I know. Yeah, it always the West. I don't like this play-in either. I, it, it bugs me for that very reason. You could be a six seed, hit the wrong slump, and, and all of a sudden fall down. Let's take a break. If you guys want to get up, get a drink, it's a great time. It's also a great time to download the presenting sponsor of this show, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app, guys. Uh, 68 teams started the tournament. 64, really. 68 teams. One of them's going to take it. I think it's going to be Gonzaga as we're sitting here oh, watching Gonzaga. Right. Way to go out on the limb. You're going to go out on a huge limb. Here's the thing, nice thing about it. If you download DraftKings Sportsbook right now, you can bet $1 on any winner in the tournament. You can bet on Gonzaga. It's very good. And you win $100 if they win the game you picked. Uh, it's America's top-rated sportsbook app. It's easy, secure, reliable. You can deposit, withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download it now. And now I've got Superstar Dev, who every single Nuggets game, he makes us money. So I'm going to open up the DraftKings Sportsbook app with him. Because I haven't even looked at these lines. Give me one winner here, Dev, from tonight's game. Yeah, if if you want a for sore winner, the lock of the day. It looks like DraftKings did a, did an actual prop bet for a player uh, a player parlay. You get to get Jokic for a 23 points and a win, and it's at good odds. 20 and it's, it's favorable odds. What favorable is it? odds. So that's your minus, lock? Minus 106. You could also do a double-double in a win at minus 106. So you are you worried at all that he's going up against his nemesis, Dwight Howard? The self-proclaimed Batman to, to his Joker? No, I actually think that this is a game that he wants to try to go at him. Um, a lot of the narrative is that Dwight Howard can guard Nikola Jokic, and he cannot. And I think that this is <laughs> well, a night that he just well. proves that he cannot guard him. So I think that Jokic goes off tonight and just quiets all the doubters. You like that? Is, he, is Jokic going off on Dwight Howard tonight? I think Jokic wants to get a triple-double and make Aaron Gordon mm -hmm. feel good about life. <laughs> Dev, he disagrees with you, man. Here, give him oh, he agrees with me. George Carr, am I going to If mine's a double-double and his is a triple-double, okay. we're on all the right. same all team. Right, you're on the same wave. Like, if, all right. Jokic, if, Yo if it's a blowout, Jokic is going to go passing the ball. He's not going <laughs> to score the ball. All right, I like it. I'm with it. Um, all right, that's our good luck. I like it. I'm holding you accountable for this. If it's not right, Dev, I'm coming for you. Uh, guys, don't forget, download top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Uh, see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So back here on uh, the Keeping It 1000 podcast, if you don't know, 
George, Carl, and I, we sit down and do this uh, every two weeks. We, we update on the Nuggets. Two weeks is a good time frame. A lot happens to a team in two weeks. In fact, I think we only have like three shows or four shows before the playoffs begin. Isn't that crazy if you think about it? It's not, we're not that far away from the playoffs. Um, so you're going to want to, if you haven't listened to that before, you're going to want to. I've gotten so much insight from uh, hearing Coach. But he also has, I'm going to plug some of the other stuff they have going on in that truth in media. Uh, Sonics Forever, another one of the podcasts you do it. You guys don't know this. I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. You've been a lot of different places. You really like Denver. You really like Seattle. Correct. Accurate. You can see he's wearing uh, the, the Sean Kemp here uh, uh, hoodie here. So uh, everything Sonics, celebrating the Sonics. They have some upcoming guests, including Nate McMillan, Jack Sigma, and some other Sonics greats. And then, of course, the flagship show, Truth and Basketball with George. He had Chris Broussard on just this last week. Uh, he's also had Brent Musburger on. Um, We're so having on tomorrow. Oh, he's on tomorrow. Because well, everything that guy just said about gambling, I have no idea what he said. <laughs> so we're going to talk gambling. He's going to explain it all to you. Um, JaVale McGee. So Aaron Gordon's a new addition. JaVale McGee's a new addition. You were excited about this one. And I want you to take us back. There's a perception of JaVale McGee as a big goofball, as a guy that's hard to coach. It, uh, all of these things. What can you tell us about JaVale? I think Javel was a guy that was given a big contract by management. Mm. Wasn't my favorite contract. Um, he, he played really well in the playoffs the year he got the big contract. I still always remember game six, game six in L.A. Some of the dunks he and Andre had were unbelievable. Um, Javel is just at that time when we had him, he was trying to become a superstar. He was trying mm. to become a big-name player. And over the osmosis of his career, he became a role player. And now he's focused. He does his job. He understands his job. If he, if he plays five minutes, he's fine. If he plays 25 minutes, he's fine. Uh, and, and the Nuggets need a, a rim protector. Yeah. They need a guy. I don't think is a great shot blocker, but he does make people miss shots. Right. His presence or his uh, reputation right. causes uh, a low, low shooting percentage when he's in the game. Yeah. It's funny you bring up the star versus like what, what he was trying to be because there is the what do you want to be as a player question, and then there's also the how do you want to get paid because the thing is he, did it, he became a highly paid player. He made a lot of money, and I look at it. It's interesting to contrast Aaron Gordon and Jeremy Grant in this light because uh, Jeremy Grant was a second-round pick. He was a role player first, and he was never paid. He was always paid like a role player. He went to Detroit. He got paid, and now he gets all of his shots, and we can sit here, and I can do it and roll my eyes and say, hey, you could have been on a contender. You could have done this, but he got paid. And I think when you look at Aaron Gordon, what's interesting is he has been paid. He was a high draft pick. He's already been a star. Two, those two careers, Jeremy Grant Aaron Gordon, are going in different directions where I think Gordon now appreciates, I, yes, I've made my money, but now I want to be a part of a team – a little bit more. At least it seems like that right now. We'll see how it plays out. But well, I don't think there's any question. The older you get, the more I think winning a championship becomes more a desire. You know, there, it's a hunger, a thirst. Uh, I mean, there are players like, you know, Andre Miller played almost his whole career never winning a playoff run. Mm. I think he won one in Washington, the one last year he played. Maybe he won in San Antonio, too. He played in San Antonio. But, you know, Andre Miller gave one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard 
in that game six that JaVale played great. He talked. He came up to me in the locker room before the game and said, George, let me have the team after you get done talking to us. Man. And it was one. It gives me goosebumps right now. Man. I mean, he was so dynamic because he was talking about how long he had played, and this is why we play this game, and how important it is that we, we don't get, mis- get, get starry-eyed about we're going to lose. We're going to win tonight. And he, he had this powerful passion about the love of the game and that we can beat the Lakers. Mm. I mean, it was game five. It was game five. It was in L.A. We came back here and blew them out and then went back game seven. It was a game that uh, it wasn't with Co- It was with uh, when, when Meta, Meta Peace got, got suspended for six games. And I think if he got suspended for seven games, we would have right, won the series. Right, yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I got all, a lot of conspiracies here. A lot of conspiracies. I love, man, do you want to pull some of these out? I love, I love a good NBA conspiracy. Check out the most free throws shot in a seventh game of a conference final <laughs> playoff game. Okay. I was involved. You were? Okay. 64 Phoenix Suns. Okay. I like it. I shot 64. Wow. 64 free throws in a playoff game. Okay, we're supposed to stop fouling, man. What the, what the heck? Yeah, right. <laughs> you got any more? I could do I could do 10 more minutes on just conspiracies if you have them. How about we had just beaten uh, we beaten Philadelphia in game six of the conference finals in the East in Milwaukee. We had a little ruckus in the game, and Scotty Williams got a – uh, a technical foul with another player. I think Otis Thorpe. No, it wasn't. It was the other big guy. Was it? Was it? Was it Otis? It wasn't Thorpe. But they had, they had a big kind of a bruiser. Bruiser playing with Matumbo. Uh, but they both they got in a pushing match. You know, acted like they wanted to fight. Neither one would ever fight. And on the then we're flying back to Game Seven to Philly. And on the way, on the plane. We get the news that Sky Williams' technical has been upgraded to a flight. Oh, man. This one's not even a conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy fact. And check out the biggest differential in a playoff series history is Philadelphia-Milwaukee in that series. Yeah. All right. All right. I can get with it. The, the game tonight is funny because, you know, Embiid is out, but... You know, Embiid takes more free throws than just about all but two or three players in the league. Jokic just can't get to the foul line. And I always wonder, you know, what, what things it is about Jokic's game that just keep him off the foul line. <laughs> Another conspiracy. Do we need to put the tinfoil hats for this one? Uh-huh. I think he's so slow, it's hard to follow. <laughs> That's okay. All righty. Could be. He plays in slow motion. He does. I mean, he's amazing. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even jump now. He's just. Yeah. I mean, it's astounding what he's getting. I mean, he reminds me, I swear to God, he reminds me of the old guy on the YMCA or at the Salvation Army or the playground. He's 28 years old, has gray hair, and you go out and try to beat him, and you never beat him. You can never beat him. It's going to be me very soon, very shortly. I'm getting there. The only thing I'm missing is the gray hair. Uh, Kale, do we have some super chats coming in? Lots of them. Lots so. of super chats. Let's get to some of these. These are people that paid to ask you questions here, Coach. We have a request for uh, Coach Carl to tell the Kenyon Martin popcorn story. <laughs> this is like a number one folklore story out of, out of the Nuggets. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> The popcorn story is real. <laughs> it's truthful. 
I I I, rem- I don't exactly remember what Kenyon did to Jr. But Jr. put a bunch of popcorn in Kenyon's probably three hundred thousand dollar car. I don't know what it was. It's a Range Rover, I believe. And filled it up, and Kenyon just Kenyon's a little <laughs> intense. And he wanted to kill you. I mean, he, he, he was chasing him down, trying to find him and all over the place. Would they have fist fought if he was? No, no one's going to fight Kenyon. He's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kenyon, 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 he gets angry. He scares the <laughs> shit out of you. I had conversations on Kenyon. We want to be smart tough, not stupid tough. And Kenyon never bought that lecture very much. He's like... Just being uh, tough is all you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. What else we got, Kale? All right, next question from our boy Twisted Up. Who did you enjoy coaching the most, Chauncey Billups or Allen Iverson? <laughs> <laughs> Teed you up a softball here. <laughs> Chauncey's one of the greatest leaders I've ever coached, and I knew that within about a week when he walked in our locker room and everybody, all of a sudden in a week, everybody was respectful and more 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 connected and more, you know, less less nonsense. Uh, the, the demand he brought into a room was really impressive. Um, I don't know if you remember the start of that season. We, we got blown out in a couple early games. I didn't think I was going to make it to Christmas. I thought, we, I, thought I was going to get fired. And Mark Workington called me. It was a Saturday night. I was downstairs in my house watching games. And Mark called me. I said, George, it's, I got a trade that's going to go, I think. And I want you to be aware of it and get your, your feel. And he said, we'll trade Alan Iverson for Chauncey. And I swear to God, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I, I started to pray. <laughs> I started to pray. I was by myself. But I started saying, oh, my God. Because, you know, the combination of AR, AI, JR, Mello, the individuality of that team was just going to—it was going to take me out in time. But Chauncey came in there and solved all those problems at a high, high level, and we we started playing to our potential. And uh, so that's that's not even close one. And I think we got to give I—I I have a lot of love for AI being one of the greatest little players ever to play the game. But he was on the downward side of his career when he was here in Denver. He just—he had some great games for us. But night in and night out, his, weakness sh- his weaknesses showed up as much as his strengths. Mm. Mm. What else, Kel? How would you have liked or what would you have thought about getting the opportunity to coach Nikola Jokic? Oh, man. <laughs> point forward, point center. Uh, I don't even understand why they give it to the guard. Why don't they let him bring it up? I mean, I, he does a lot. I mean, Zion, you watching New Orleans play? Zion, yeah, Zion is, style. he's playing, I'm, I'm, I got the ball. Give me the ball. I'm, I'll make the first decision on this thing here. And it fits into the analytics, playing early, playing before the defense. Quick shots, for years, coaches always said, we don't want quick shots. We want, we want ball movement and side-to-side movement. I remember the more I, most I've ever gotten yelled at at a coach's meeting, I said, I said, side-to-side ball movement is overrated. And I had Melvin Hunt, <laughs> John Welsh, Tim Gregory going, you got to be kidding me, coach. I said, it's overrated. 
And the game's kind of showing it's a little overrated. If you have a James Harden or LeBron, you don't need to move the ball. You space the floor. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Certain players should move the ball. Okay. Great players should attack the defense and right. create right. the mistake. Right, right. We got another one. Do you have anything that's not a really easy softball uh, Do you like Jokic? Is that a – Yeah, uh, okay, this one's spicy. Okay. Uh, who was your least favorite ref to see when you were coaching Ooh, and came to the arena? spicy. Oh, wow. Um, so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Are there specific guys, though? I mean, that I got three of them. Okay. I got, but no, the Phoenix referees, the guys that <laughs> gave 64 free throws in a final <laughs> of the 70. Now, that was, when was that? That was 1990. It's almost 30 years ago. I can tell you the referees. Dick Pavetta, mm. who, who was the NBA's. He was the NBA, anything the NBA won, the game referee, Dick Bavetta was on that game. Mm. Eddie Rush, who became the head of the officials after that. Right. And Mike Mathis, who I played in his golf tournament, and Mike and I were close. And I, in, the, in the second time out of the first quarter, I went on the court and said, Mike, what the fuck is going on, Mike <laughs> Mathis? I said, I'm going to have to get fucking thrown out of the seventh game because you guys are fucking us. <laughs> Didn't change things, huh? And Mike Mathis goes, it's the other two guys. It's not me. <laughs> uh, Daryl Garrison, the three guys I probably don't, didn't get along with very well is Daryl Garrison. I forget Delaney's first name. He used to be a supervisor of officials too. Jim Delaney, what? Can't remember. Let me look it up here. Uh, Delaney, he was. I I just had trouble. Bob. Bob, Bob Delaney. Uh, Dick Bavetta, Ed Rush. Um, I didn't get along with Daryl Garrison very well. Got along with his son, okay. But I, I there was a stage in my career I just forgot about all of them because I. <laughs> and what's funny? I think the referees do a hell of a job now. When you don't have a. A fight. That's funny. If you yeah. don't, if you're not in the fight, yeah. and you don't have. You got to have an enemy, and the referee sometimes is your enemy in the game. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, I just want to ask about tonight's game as we just quickly preview the 76ers. Obviously, Embiid's out. They've great defensively. They're very versatile, very long. Um, what do, What do you think is the key to the game tonight for the Nuggets? I th I just just think it's the ride enthusiasm. Mm. It seemed like in the game, you know, I'm, I think the game on Friday night against New Orleans was a, a big-time win. That is, is, I think you and I have talked about that Jokic and Murray are one of the best closers in basketball, and they're not getting the love they deserve to get. Because fourth-quarter basketball, they are really, really, really good. And in New Orleans, and in New Orleans game, that game was, I was ready to turn it off. And all of a sudden, they win it. And then the enthusiasm. I wouldn't overthink tonight's game much. Uh, you know, my belief in coaching a game is when your team is in a good space, make it simple. And the complicated stuff comes if you need it. If the game goes the wrong way, then you bring more sophistication or more complications. Coach Smith always felt the coaches should be ready for anything. But you don't have to have your team... Uh always ready for everything. And so 
I, I just think, you know, right now I let the game have a flow and coach the game strong. As the game goes on, if it needs more coaching, you coach it. But if the game is happening, you just let it happen. Coach Smith always also taught that uh, Coach Smith always felt that the best games he's ever coached were games that he didn't have to coach. Right. That the preparation prepared his team for the game. And that, that's out of the circle now. You watch college basketball now. Every play is being overcoached. Yeah. And I think a lot of coaches overcoach more than they just let the game happen. Nuggets win tonight? Yes. All righty, there you go. Hey, how about a, a round of applause, guys, for, for Coach here. Really appreciate him coming out. I mean, like I said, we do the Keep It at 1000 podcast every two weeks. Highly recommend it for, for diehard Nuggets fans. I like my perspective. Coach, he's got a better one. So you always get, I always cherish the times I get to hear from him. You're going to want to tune whoa, into whoa, that. Whoa, we're not going to talk about how the NBA is fixing the, the league. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. Cut the feed. No. Uh, thanks, everybody else that tuned in on our YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget to hit a like on the way out. And, uh, yeah, check out everything they have going on with Truth in Basketball, Sonics Forever, um, and then what the, the Curious Leader with Kobe Carl. Three really good shows, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.